Amen. Well, if you have your Bible with you, uh, and Stephen, we have a little bit of echo, uh, a little bit of feedback out here. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I'm continuing in the, in the series I started called uh, Forget Normal, Dive into Different. Looking ahead, diving into what God is bringing into our world, forgetting the normal that we've left behind, or the quote-unquote normal we've left behind. And in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, I'll start with verse 1. Read down to verse 10. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we we would be further clothed, so that by what is mortal, that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee." So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I don't know if you were watching the news back on about June 1st, but you might have heard the story about uh, what happened at Dirtle Door in Dorset. Uh, If you don't know what Dirtle Door is, it's a, a... uh, a rock arch that stretches out into the sea there on uh, the southern coast uh, of the UK there in Dorset. Uh, and it's from the t- tip of it down to the, the water is about 200 feet. Uh, so it's, it's quite, a, quite a big drop. Uh, and on that day, uh, two young men were airlifted to the hospital because they took it upon themselves to dive from Dirtle Door, from the tip of Dirtle Door, down into the water. Actually, three of them did that. Uh, the fortunate one only broke his leg, and so they were able to take him to the hospital um, by a regular ambulance. The other two, they had to fly by air ambulance. One uh, had a serious injury to his spine. Uh, the other was taken out of the water unconscious. And it was only the fact that there were a few people that were around that boldly uh, jumped into the water to save this guy. Otherwise, uh, he would have been dead. Now, apparently, this form of free diving from a very high point into the ocean is known as tombstoning. I thought that that's a very appropriate name because since 2005, at least 25 people have died in the UK alone for tombstoning. I mean, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. I, 
it, it looks fun, it sounds fun, and I guess if you get enough liquid courage in you, uh, if you know what that is, alcohol, if you get enough alcohol in you, you'd be willing to do just about anything, uh, but it is absolutely a foolish thing to do, although a lot of people do it. And, and there's actually a professional cliff diving uh, tournament sponsored by Red Bull, uh, but this is done by people who are well-trained experts, and it's done in places where the depth of the water has been measured to ensure that those who are diving from the cliffs uh, are diving into water that is relatively safe for them. But regardless of whether you're doing it through some tournament uh, or whether you're doing it by the tombstoning style, diving off a cliff is dangerous. It's just dangerous. And without proper preparation and training, diving is absolutely foolish. Absolutely foolish. It's not something that I would do. Uh, I don't even like to step into water, let alone dive into water. Uh, I often tell people that I was on the Olympic drowning team instead of the Olympic swimming team uh, because it's just not my natural habitat. In fact, it's none of our natural habitats, if you haven't noticed. None of us can breathe underwater. But anyway, people don't usually pay attention to me. But, uh, you know, we've been talking about this, this, this title of the sermon series has been Forget Normal and Dive Into Different. And diving, even in that case, is rather dangerous. You know, when you're diving off a cliff into the water, you don't always see or know that whether there are rocks that, that are right underneath of you. Everybody knows the seabed is uneven. Uh, it's not safe. And so you can think you're diving into a deep part of water and actually you dive right into a rock or something and kill yourself. It's just dangerous because you don't see it. You don't know exactly what you're diving into. Even if you've dived before, you don't know exactly what is going to happen. And the same thing is true with what we're living in right now. We cannot go back to some kind of normal. It's just not going to happen, uh, and uh, we're not in any kind of new normal. We won't be in a new normal for some time yet to come if we ever get back to some kind of new normal. And so it's time for us as Christians to dive into the different that God is bringing because God has a plan and God has a purpose for us both individually and corporately into this future that God is bringing into the world. And we need to dive into it. But if we're going to dive into the different that God is bringing, the only way we can do it is to dive by faith. Because we don't see what is coming. We don't see what rocks there might be. We don't see what struggles there are going to be. We don't see what challenges are going to be. And so we need to dive into different by faith. To dive by faith. Now, in order to do that, we need to understand what faith really is. And, and here we're talking about faith in Jesus Christ. So to dive by faith, we need to have genuine faith. We need to have genuine faith. So what is faith? Biblical faith is choosing to trust 
and to act based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways, based on a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Authentic Christian faith, you choose to trust God and you choose to act, but it has to be based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways. If you don't really know who God is, or you've made up God in your mind, you can never really have faith. You won't have true and genuine faith. In fact, a lot of people today, a lot of Christians today, are living with what I would call pseudo-faith, or false faith. And I'm talking about Christians living with a false faith or a pseudo-faith. Now, what is a a false faith or a pseudo-faith? Well, one aspect of it is what I call wishful thinking or worldly hope. Now, what is worldly hope? What's wishful thinking? I wish I could win the lottery. I wish I, I, I hope I'm going to win the lottery. I hope I'm going to win the lottery. I know I've not bought a ticket, but I hope I'm going to win the lottery. Uh, And a lot of times, Christians live by wishful thinking about who God is and what God is going to do. We live by a wishful thinking that, oh, maybe I'll never get sick. We, we have wishful thinking that you know, everything's going to be fine for me. We have wishful thinking that I will never suffer. I hope that I won't have to suffer. And that's false faith because the Bible tells us we will suffer. It is a promise of the Scripture that shall be fulfilled in our lives. Now, so if we have wishful thinking that, okay, I'm not going to have to suffer, or things are going to go well for me, uh, even though I'm doing stuff that God doesn't approve of, you know, God doesn't really mind that much because God's all about love, you know, whatever, you know, that kind of wishful thinking is a false faith. But that's not the only kind of false faith there is. You know, some people live with what I call presumption. Presumption. That's assuming something to be true that is not true and acting on the basis of that assumption. You assume something to be true that is not true and then you act on the basis of that assumption. You know, for example, you might feel like, well, you know, God loves me and so he would like me to have a nice GLA class Mercedes. And because God loves me and I know that God is always going to provide for me and always going to to give me the best, I'll go ahead and I will take out a loan for that GLA class Mercedes that I couldn't possibly afford otherwise because obviously, you know, God is going to bless me. That's presumption. God's not said to do that. Uh, Another kind of presumption I've seen many times is rebuking Satan. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us to rebuke Satan. In fact, in, in, the, in the letter of, from Jude, he says, you know, even, I think it was Michael the archangel refused to rebuke Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Uh, and I've seen this happen where people just assume, they presume that they can do whatever they want to do and that somehow God will protect them and they think of that presumption as a kind of faith and it's not, it's presumption. Uh, another kind of false faith that's out there is basically what's just thinly disguised self-will. Where it's like, I want to do this, and so it must be God speaking to me. It must be God. Because 
you know, it's, it's what I want to do. Uh, sometimes it's positive thinking comes in. Uh, but what we do oftentimes is we make our will God's will. I mean, a classic story about that, I've shared it a, a few times before. A friend of mine shared this story about when he was a pastor, he had one of his elders call him up, and, and he said, the elder said, hey, uh, let's call uh, the, my pastor friend Bubba. He said, hey, Bubba, I found the woman that I'm supposed to marry. Bubba says, really? Tell me about this. And he said, well, I was walking down the street uh, and uh, I looked across the street and I saw her and this voice came in my head and said, this is the woman you're supposed to marry. So I crossed over to the street. I asked her to have a cup of coffee with me. She agreed and we sat down and I told her that I had this voice that said, I think we should get married. And she said, I agree with you. We should get married. Uh, so this must be God. And Bubba said, my friend said, this is not God. He said, no, it is God. I know it's God. I mean, didn't you hear what I just told you? It's got to be God. Bubba said, it's not God. His friend said, uh, well, okay, why do you think it's not God? And Bubba said, because you're already married. <laughs> and a lot of times we do that. We, we have self-will. It's what we want to do. And we couch it into religious terms. That's false faith. That's false faith. And if you're living in false faith, you will never dive into the different that God has for us. We need what's genuine faith. Now, how do you know if you have genuine faith? One, genuine faith is biblical. It's founded in the Scriptures. God will not tell you to do something that is contrary to Scripture. You know, if God tells you to go and murder your friend, it's not God. It's never God. And so you've got to listen to what the Bible says. And that's why faith has to be based, Christian faith has to be based on a true knowledge of who God is and God's ways. And the way we get that true knowledge is through the Scriptures. That faith, genuine faith, comes from God and it's for God. God gives us faith so that we can do the things that God wants us to do. God gives us faith so we can do what God requires. And we also have to understand that genuine faith is always risky. It's never easy. There's always a risk. Genuine faith calls us to take major risks sometimes. But it's got to be founded on a true knowledge of God and God's ways. So to dive into different to dive by faith requires that we have genuine biblical faith as Christians. And we need to say, Lord, you know, show us, show me and show me where my faith is lacking. And the great way, if you want to grow in faith, the best way to grow in faith is to grow in a knowledge of God. The best way to grow in faith is to grow in a genuine knowledge of God founded in his word and then start living that out and as you live it out, you build a history with the Lord that also helps you to walk into faith. So we need genuine faith to dive by faith. But to dive by faith, we need to live by faith. To dive by faith, we need to live by faith. Now, I, I joked earlier about being on the Olympic drowning team. Uh, and uh, one of the things that, that you won't find me doing is going out into the ocean swimming. One, I don't like those jellyfishy things. 
if we could eat them, that would be really, really great. I, I've got a new motto about jellyfish, by the way. Jellyfish. They give jelly a bad name. So, yeah, so, so one, you know, I'm not going to go out in the ocean swimming uh, but, uh, because I don't like jellyfish. But also, I don't practice swimming. I didn't learn how to swim until I was in college, and then I had to take a class in college, and I almost failed. It's terrible when you almost drown, you know, and you're in the swimming pool. It's just, you know, so, so I'm not swimming. I'm not practiced in swimming. Uh, I'm not doing swimming on a regular basis. And so I'm not about to think about doing something risky in swimming if I'm not swimming in the first place. And the same is true. We cannot dive by faith into the different that God has for us in the future unless we're living by faith day by day by day. And Paul tells us in this passage we read a lot of what it means to live by faith. What are the dynamics of living by faith? And I want to mention a few. First of all, if we're going to live by faith, we need to have confidence that we have life after death in a house not made with hands. You cannot live by faith if you don't have confidence that you have life after death. Because what if your faith takes you into a very risky place where you could die? And it does. And it might in your life. The only way you can do that is to have this confidence that we have an eternal life. And the eternal life is in a house, not a tent. I love how Paul is contrasting those two concepts. The future house with our present tent. And he's talking about our bodies. So in other words, these bodies here have always been designed to be temporary. They are not built to last. These bodies were designed with planned obsolescence. But what God is giving us, the future building house that we will have, is built to last. It will be a body that lasts us eternally, for eternity. That's amazing. And I live with that confidence. I live with that confidence. Now, how do you know if you have that confidence? Well, your attitude will start to reflect that of Paul, where you have a longing for the heavenly dwelling that you are living out in this tent dwelling. Now, I look forward to that day. I get older and older, and, and I don't mind getting older. You know, I figured out when I was a teenager, I, I sat down when I was a teenager, and I said, you know, I've got two options. Either I'm going to get old, or I'm going to die. And I think I'll just go ahead and get old. That's okay. So, so I, I continue to pick getting old. Otherwise, I'd just dive off a cliff in the ocean somewhere. But uh, I continue to pick getting old. Uh, and I'm going to do that. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to get older. But I tell you, as I get older, I get thinking, boy, I can't wait for that eternal body. I can't wait for that new body. I mean, it's going to be so awesome. It never gets sick, never gets tired, doesn't wear down, doesn't wear out. Uh, that's going to be an amazing thing. So I have a longing for that. I have a longing for that day that contrasts all the time with the desire to have to live and be here for Jesus. 
And so that's one of the ways we can tell if we have that confidence that we have this life after death. Now, second thing that we need in order to live by faith, second dynamic of living by faith, we need to affirm and accept that in this tent, we will have struggles. We need to believe it and to accept it. We need to affirm it and accept it that we are going to have struggles. Like, like Paul said, sometimes he said, we groan. And that word that he used, groan, is like a groaning under a strain. It's a groaning under an effort. And he says, we will have burdens. You know, as long as we're in this body, we will be burdened. And that's talking about a heaviness and a difficulty. It's not something easy when you're carrying a burden. Uh, the implication here as well is that we're going to wrestle with our mortality. As long as we're in this mortal body, we're going to wrestle with our mortality. I wrestle with that when I don't want to go and, and sleep for seven hours. I want to stay awake and I want to do more. I feel like sometimes like a little kid, I don't want to go to bed. But I know that I have to go to bed and I'm wrestling with my mortality. Lifting heavy boxes here the last week uh, it just made me remember, uh, you know, those boxes used to not be so heavy when I was younger. The boxes have gotten heavier because I certainly couldn't have gotten weaker. Now we're going to wrestle with our mortality. And so we must affirm and accept that in this tent we're going to have struggles because a lot of people get offended when they go through struggles in their lives. But the Bible says we're going to have struggles. We're going to have struggles. And you cannot live by faith if you don't accept that sometimes you're going to have struggles. And your struggles are not the opposite of your faith. Your struggles do not invalidate your faith. Your struggles confirm your faith. It's one of the things I always say about the Bible. The fact that we have struggles, the fact that we're in a pestilence right now, doesn't invalidate the Bible, it actually confirms what the Bible says. It should make us more trusting in the Scriptures when we have that. Third, in order to live by faith according to Paul in this passage, we need to trust that God is using everything to prepare us for eternal life. This is verse 5, if you're following through the verses. We must trust that God is using everything to prepare us for eternal life. There is nothing that you go through in your life that is going to be wasted. Everything is used to prepare you to get you ready for that life in this new house that we're going to have, the house given to us by God. And the value of our eternal life swallows up everything in our mortal existence. The value of what we are going to experience when we go to be with Jesus or when Jesus comes again, the value of the new heavens and the new earth will swallow up everything in our mortal existence and we'll say before the Lord, it was worth everything I went through. Because God does not waste anything. He does not waste anything. And God has given us the Holy Spirit in us as a guarantee. The fact that you believe, the fact that you have an encounter with the Lord, the fact that maybe you have a gift of the Holy Spirit that you exercise, all of this is part of the guarantee 
that God is using everything today to prepare us for that life that God has for us. And then the big core of this passage, and the fourth thing, to live by faith, we need to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to walk by faith and not by sight. Not by sight means that you cannot focus on your feelings. Oh, I don't feel like God loves me. Don't focus on that. It's not true. It's a lie. The Bible tells you it's a lie. Oh, I I feel like the devil is too powerful for me. Don't believe that. It's a lie. Don't focus on that feeling. The Bible says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, Karen and I, we've been going through a, a really intense season of personal spiritual attack on us. And we're not going to give up on that. We're not going to submit to it. We won't give in to it. It persists, but we will persevere by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We will not focus on our feelings. Not by sight also means you don't focus on your perceptions. You do not see things as they really are. The only person who sees things exactly as they are is God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Your perception of your life, of what's happened to you, of what's going on around you, is not accurate. You cannot focus on what you perceive. It's one of the reasons why we must stay together in the body of Christ. Because if you isolate yourself from the body of Christ, you are subjecting yourself to your own perceptions. Not by sight means we don't focus on our perceptions. We don't focus and say, okay, what I perceive must be right. That's foolishness. If you say that, you're walking by sight, not by faith. And it also means not focusing on your circumstances. The present circumstances of our world right now don't define us. The present circumstances of your life don't define you. So what does it mean to walk by faith? Now the idea of walking, it's not running by faith. It's not skipping by faith. Thank God it's not swimming by faith. It's walking by faith. Walking is about living day to day, moment by moment. Day to day, moment by moment. Now, how do you know if you're walking by faith? Now, we've talked about faith. I won't go back into that. But how do you know if you're walking by that faith, by that true knowledge of God and God's ways that causes you to trust God and to act accordingly? Well, how do you plan your day? How are you structuring your day? If you're not structuring your day with at least some time to pray, Sometime to, to read the Word. Are you, are you walking by faith? Probably not. How do you look into your future? Shows if you're walking by faith. Do you think the present circumstances of your life determines your future? If you do, you're not walking by faith. Your future is greater than you think and can perceive. It's going to be different than you think or perceive as well. And I want to say this to a lot of the young people uh, that are watching this, are hearing this, 
Don't think that this present situation defines your future. And don't think your present circumstances define your future. It don't. They don't. Walk by faith. Walk by faith and you'll get to that future. Walking by faith is seen in how you set your priorities. What do you do with your time? Walking by faith is shown in how you allocate your resources. How do you spend your money? How do you spend those precious resources that you have? One of the big ways that you can discern how you are walking by faith is how you pay attention. Your attention is your most precious resource. It's limited. And so what you pay your attention to determines where your faith really is. And so we must choose to walk by faith and not by sight if we're going to live by faith, if we're going to dive by faith in the future that God has for us. We must walk by faith and not by sight. It is one of the biggest reasons that Christians fall away. They walk by sight and not by faith. And sometimes you, can have, you have to walk by, sight for, uh, by faith for a very, 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 very long time before you see. Sometimes you have to walk by faith a very, very long time before you see. Next, Paul says, if we're going to live by faith so that we can dive by faith into God's different, we need to make it our aim to please Jesus in how we live. We need to make it our aim to please Jesus in how we live. We must remember, it's all about Jesus. Our lives are all about Jesus. It's not about myself. It's not about myself. So, so many times, and I'm so thankful we've got such a great church in this, in this way, but I've been in other churches where I've seen people criticize maybe something that's going on in the church uh, because they don't like it, you know, and I'll hear them talk, and they'll, they'll talk for a while and say, well, I don't really like this, I don't really like this, and, and I just want to yell at them and say, it's not about you! It's not about what you want, it's not about what you like, it's about Jesus, It's about Jesus. And we must make it our aim to please Jesus in how we live if we're going to live by faith. We need to please our commanding officer, who is Jesus Christ. And finally, if we're going to live by faith, we must remember that we will appear for the judgment seat of Christ to receive our reward. Verse 10. We will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, this is not the great white throne judgment here. This is not the, ju- the, the judgment that says, okay, you're in the book of life, you're not in the book of life. Uh, that's not that judgment. There's a judgment that we will face as Christians. And this is that judgment. We will stand before Jesus. And we will be judged according to what we have done in the body during our lifetimes. Whether it's good or evil. You will give an account for how you lived your life. 
you will give an account for what you've done with the resources God has provided to you. You will give an account. And I tell you, sometimes I think about this and it fills me with fear until I thrust myself once again on the grace of God in Jesus Christ. Because it's only by grace that any of us will stand during that time. You know, and I've always, uh, the one thing, you know, that just this kind of, not really a fear, but uh, this, this thought, you know, that it would be the day we're all lined up, you know, and Jesus, like our commanding officer, is walking down the, the line, and he says, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hi, Rod. Well done, good and faithful servant. Well, I just don't want that to happen. It is a fearsome thing, and rightly fearsome, respectfully fearsome, that we will stand before Jesus and give an account, and from this judgment we will receive our reward. And not everybody receives the same reward. And by the way, your reward is not based on what anybody else does. It's based purely on what you've done with what God has given you. It's what you've done with what God has given you. We need to dive by faith into the future. We don't know what the future holds. I can't tell you what's going to happen with the economy, although I have some ideas. I can't tell you exactly what will happen after Brexit, although I have some ideas. I can't tell you how long this pandemic is going to run, although I have some ideas. All I can tell you is that Jesus is in the future, and Jesus holds the future, and Jesus has a different future prepared for us to dive into, but we can only dive into that future by faith in Jesus. We can only dive into that future by faith. So I encourage you, if you've heard this and you think, you know, Rod, I'm just not walking with enough faith here, ask the Lord. The Lord will give you his faith if you ask. The Lord will give you his faith. If you realize that maybe you've been living with some false faith, some wishful thinking, presumption, or self-will, repent. Turn away from it. Say, God, I am sorry. I realize that what I thought was faith is not faith. And I renounce that false faith and I embrace the real faith. Press in to get to know God better because in knowing him, your faith will grow. And make a decision right now that every day you will choose to trust and to act in your life based on a true knowledge of God and God's ways in a relationship with the Father through Jesus the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as you do, God will prepare you to dive by faith into the different that He has planned. Father God, we thank you, we praise you, we honor you, and we worship you. I pray, Father, that you'd stir up our hearts to faith, that you'd cause us to go deeper in faith and fall more in love with you, that you empower and strengthen each of us to stand side by side in faith, 
that we might encourage one another and strengthen one another, all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't know what different will be in the future, but we know that you are the Lord of the future and that you will walk with us into that future by faith, according to your grace. We love you, we worship you, we honor you and adore you. And we pray all of this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now we're going to go into another time of worship. Uh, and just, uh, it's just a time to allow yourself, the Lord, to, to speak to you, to work in your heart, to work in your mind, to take you deeper into faith, to connect you more fully with him and the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's worship the Lord together. You can stand if you'd like.